Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I'm getting... It's fu- I'm in a strange place. I'm discombobulated over prayer, and he's putting it back together in a really neat way. Um, and just how I'm engaging God in prayer. And so you're going to get to go on the journey with me. So there may be some times it's like, because that's, uh, you know, I get this kind of a whiny squeak comes out of me. And because there's certain things I've hung on to so long, and then it's just like the Lord's, does he ever poke at your theology? You know, he just likes to, you know, he, he's not that all caught up with theology. He knows who he is. But when we get absolutely convinced that that's the only way he operates, he likes to show up really sneaky. I have a friend who calls him the Lord my sneak. And he's just real sneaky, and he just goes, really? Let me show you something. And you, get, you just have to, you know, it's so different to turn your position and look at God from a different perspective. So that's what I'm doing with prayer and we had a really, uh, someone had a word at the end of prayer last week, and uh, it was right at the end, so it was after service, it was given to me. So you're going to have to connect. If this was you going through what we were talking about, about refamiliarizing ourselves with prayer and what happens with prayer, and maybe some of you even have, I don't know, issues regarding prayer. So I'm just going to read it to you. It says, many of us have had teachings on prayer before that have changed us and caused growth. But some of those things that came out of them has bogged us down and made us familiar with failing. Just like when Jesus fed the 5,000, there were leftovers so that anything from the past that doesn't produce life, the failed commitments, not measuring up, whatever it was in prayer, can be given back to the Lord. Let Jesus collect the leftovers and let nothing be wasted. That was really the key phrase. Let nothing be wasted. And I think that's really excellent to go forward with this, with prayer, is that, you know, I stood on some prayer principles for so long, you know, and I was adamant to, that was the prayer of faith, and that God must answer the prayer of faith, and that he has to do this, and, you know, and that if I continue, that he will surely relent and give it to me, whatever it is, whatever it is and stuff, and uh, I don't know if that's faithfulness. I think it's determination. Uh, I think that's persistence. Um, but you know what's really faithful with God? You keep believing in him. He's God. That's how he really measures faithfulness. Is, uh, Hebrews 11 is so clear. Those who come to God must believe that he is. That's what he's talking about, faith in that whole chapter. And here's the key thing with prayer. And that is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. I don't know how diligent I am. I'm not even sure I like that word some of the time. But I know that I believe that God goes, oh, still believing. Wow. Because I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that hammer against believing today. 
You know, if nothing else, a lot of people believe God exists. They don't, don't know if he's good or not. They don't necessarily believe that he's good. He's kind of a tyrannical, mean, yeah, grouchy guy. Oscar the Grouch. You know, you know and then he's, he's just waiting up there to hammer somebody. Well, that's not my father's house. So we've been, we're going to use an analogy, and hopefully, if you didn't get this the past two weeks, you can, uh, it should have them up by tonight, uh, the teachings on the website, and connecting with that this really isn't just a phrase, the Father's house. Uh, coming out of this sense of, I just want to just do a little filler so you can catch up with me. There's, uh, using the new heart translation, in my father's house, there are many places of rest. It gave such a different view to me as I was re-entering the idea of prayer, our father in heaven. What What does that really mean? And that this sense of that we are, we are, are the God's dwelling place. And that he wants to come and make a place ready inside of us. Um, it's a room of intimacy. We looked at this. The idea of that God started prayer with a very intimate term, Father. You know, which is really, you know, this is really bizarre because it doesn't get taught this way. Father is the Christian name for God. That's the Christian one. It, prior, prior to the followers of Christ, they didn't refer to God as Father. Uh, the prophet did, and it kind of threw him a little bit. His name shall be called Everlasting Father. And they're like, what? You know, part of why Jesus got done in is he declared him as Father. And even used personal possessive pronouns for that. You know, my father and I are one. They went, mm bud. You know, that's still a war today, calling God Father in many places. But here's what I know. God lives in us, right? He said, my house, my dwelling place, my resting place, shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. It means for everything, for everybody. That's you and me. Um, it's hard to think of our lives in terms like that, but God wants us to be familiar with prayer in a way that he goes, hey, I'm right there with you. So I want to use the Lord's Prayer as a model of going through different rooms. We'll look at 12 different rooms. You know, the first one is really this. So if you use the first phrase of it, that our Father... In heaven, so it's this. That first room is a family room. Just using this, just as a, and I encourage you, just camp out at this room for a little while, and understanding that the first part of this is a is a place that's. Uh, what's your family room like in your house? I love our family room. Our family room is like. It's just like, I really, really like it. So I went, well, what's a, what's a family room like? This is what I know. I don't know about yours. Ours is not formal. It's different than a formal dining room or anything like that or like uh, 
you know, the living room always has to look a certain way, and the family room just looks more lived in. Yeah? It's less formal. It's more comfy. Uh, comfy pillows, comfy couches. Uh, you watch TV there. You get entertained. It's all kinds of things. And so it, it really is this. If it isn't formal, what if we saw prayer as not being formal? That it, it, it's not something where your language has to change, you have to uh, get the words right, um, if you will. If you were going into the formal dining room and the cutlery is set up and the utensils are set up and this fork is for that and, and that fork was for my salad and why are there three forks? How many things, what do I do with that? Um, and just looking at prayer as a place of informality. They don't have to change. You don't have to go to a, the secret room is you. It's not a geographical place. It's a relational place. And it's your, it's your family room. Well, then you can really do Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We can come boldly to a throne of grace. So this is a place this guy going, yeah, just come on in. Oh, wait a minute, God, I've got to make sure things are right between us. Really? You have to make sure you're dressed right to go in the family room? No. You're there in your jammies sometimes. Sometimes it's shorts and cutoffs. And it's just in, it's not anything formal. It's your, you're going... I don't have to formalize. Are you getting what, seeing what I'm trying to get at? I don't have to formalize prayer time. You know, it, it was really strange. One of my family members growing up, they immediately moved into Old King James English when they prayed. You know, it's like, no. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Please don't do that. So turned me off as a, as a teenager. It's just like, oh, you know. I just heard you cussing out at the paint job, and now thou and thus and, you know, it's just, so just, just think of it as this. If you, can, if you can get to a place where you're a little more relaxed with who God is, you like your mom. Do you like your mom? How formal do you have to be with her? Not usually. Do you have nicknames? Do you have battle names? No, just kidding. It's the same way with God. It's just become familiar in a place that's uh, not formal. I love what Hebrews 10 says. I'm, I'm going to read this to you. It's not, I just put the passage up there, the reference, but... Says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, this is a reference to such a formal thing that only one priest got to do one time a year, and it had to be done exactly correct. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't, he tied a rope around his ankle in case he didn't do it right so they could pull the guy out and not get killed themselves. 
You understand that's what it was for, pull him out of there. He had something wrong in his life. He ain't came out of there. We don't have that with God. It says we can come boldly and just hang out with God. He's not going to kill you. Not going to smite you. He's not against you. He is so for you. And you don't have to get everything just right. So don't worry about formalities. He says, we come by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. He says, and having a high priest over the house of God, he says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, didn't say you have to sprinkle your heart, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience Our bodies washed with pure water. That's just, when you get familiar with that, everything changes. Everything changes about God. I become very acquainted with the idea of God and prayer through simplicity and perspective. So this is, I'm just going to give you a snapshot. This is what I use, these five things. There are five themes. 95% of the messages that you will hear from us here at New Day are all going to be out of these five themes in one form or another. When this becomes language of familiarity and ideas and belief systems, prayer with God just becomes delightful. I believe in the unconditional love of God. It's unrestricted. It's, it's relentless. He pursues me. He's, he's not checking his list and checking it twice. He's there. He's there all the time for me. It's this glorious thing. When we really, when you really start to embrace it, you throw away the arguments to prove that God's love is conditional, and you just start saying, I receive it right now. I just, I wallow. I roll, Brenda put it this way, I roll around in the deep of your love. When that starts happening in your prayer time, where that's the basis and you're familiar with it because you use that kind of language with them, prayer changes. Prayer moves from labor to love. Really does. It changes completely. And then it's justification by faith alone. Now, that's a doctrinal statement, Lloyd. No, it's not. It's a way of life. I don't have anything I have to prove to God to be okay with God. God proved it to me by doing what it took to make me okay with him. I don't have to get him to be okay. If I don't have to get him to be okay, I talk with him differently. I'm not trying to convince him of something about me. He already knew it anyway. Think about how much of our prayer time is spent trying to convince God to lighten up a little bit and realize you're not that bad a guy. Or, if your self-talk's really lousy, trying to tell him how awful you really are. And then we call that confession. Confess means to agree with. So you want God to agree with you that you're lousy and not worth saving. Hello? Don't do that. It makes prayer very unfamiliar 
Co-union with Christ. You see, he's there with you. You know, when you enter your prayer room, well, I am. And he's already there. I, I told our group, the cure group, you know, I, I'm kind of getting the image that, you know, this is, my image of father has really changed. He's looking a lot more like Willie Nelson. No, really. He's probably got earrings and a long braid. On the road again. Just can't wait to be on the You know, and he's singing songs, and he's... Wouldn't you like to hang out with... Secretly, did anybody else want to hang out with Willie Nelson? Yeah, I would like to. No? You're from that 90s generation. You, you missed the good stuff. You missed the outlaws. You missed the, what was really crossover music, which was what they call country music today, which is, like, that's not country music, that's crossover music. And I would like to, and it's this recognition. Here's why I'm saying this. I'm not just trying to be goofy. You should be familiar with your union with God and what he, how you see him. Get really familiar with that God's connected to you. He's not far away. There's no distance, no delay. He's right there. Is it wrong to you? That's making an image of God and you're getting, stop that. Throw, throw your religious talk and your ideas out the window and exchange with God over who he is. He can show up in lots of forms, even to his disciples who had walked with him for three and a half years, he showed up in a way that they didn't recognize at first. That's a bit scary. What if an angel of light, stop it. What if God is just God? The other thing, here's the other two pieces. Eternal security. Uh, in Hebrews, it's called assurance of faith. And it says, there isn't anything I've done that's going to chase him away. He already knows. <laughs> he already paid a price for that. So why do I think I have to tell him about something, tell him myself to him? Now, if you need to talk to God and say, I'm sorry, by all means, tell him you're sorry. He'll receive it. He'll honor it. He'll go, yeah, no. And sometimes we have to, for our own conscience sake, we just have to go, I blew it again. He goes, yeah, no. Yeah, you did. He doesn't lie to you. He'll go, yep, you did. And then he's going to help you with it. Because the other thing is, he did this one thing regarding our lives in prayer. He said, I've come that you might have life. And that life more abundantly than what you could perceive. Now, this isn't a... I'm not talking about prayers of faith to claim something. I'm talking about that God wants to interact in our lives in a very familiar way and tell you, oh, man, I just love hanging out with you. And that's what that place is that when we first begin. That's, the, that's that family room, very familiar. It's also relaxing. Everybody sigh. God is not uptight. God is 100% for you. 
He is listening to you. He is not ignoring you, even if you don't hear anything. How can you say that? Because that's what's true of God. Because it says in his word that his ears are attentive to the righteous. Wow. He has set his favor upon you. That's very relaxing. Wow. He has sanctified you. I'm going through progressive sanctification. Yeah, you keep working, just keep rowing that boat, buddy. He wants you, and this is why it's really important, to enter into a rest so that prayer is very relaxing. You fall asleep during prayer? If you do late night prayers, you usually do. But I even get sleepy in the afternoons when I start praying. It's funny how... And I, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm just boring myself. Maybe God's bored with me. I don't know. You know, do, you do wrong self-talk like I do. You have to repent of the wrong self-talk. It's really this. Relax. Relax with God. So much of what we've been taught about prayer is trying to convince God to do something that you think he might not want to do, but you think it's a good thing, so you're going to call it his will, and then you will start praying your kingdom come. When he really wants prayer time to be restful, to just relax with him, to, to enjoy it. Um, Hebrews 4, 3, and, and later verses, verses 9 and 10, are, look, look. It says this in 4.3, for those of us who have believed, you can't use, so many times Hebrews 4 is taught about that, that people don't understand the holiness and the Sabbath rest of God and they're on the outside. But right here in verse 3, when he first starts talking about it, he declares something. For we who have believed do enter that rest. I, I, I believe, I, I believe that God meets me in a place of prayer. That's restful. Verse 9, he says, there remains a rest for the people of God. And that for he who has entered that his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So here's what I would like to do. I'm going I'm to kick the tires of prayer, okay? I have a burden over this area. Really? I'm carrying a burden in prayer. Is that what trust looks like? Think, think through this. What if you just carried a rest in prayer? What, what does that mean? Uh, let's, let's use a prayer. Lord, my kid seems far from you and has no interest in you, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust you that he'll find his heart because you're going to go after it. Just saying, what if it looked restful? What if it looked like language of trust? What if I'm not trusting? Well, now you got an issue you got to work out with you and God. You really do, because faith looks like trust. See, active form of, trusting God is the active form of faith. 
in which I completely believe, and then I relax in His presence because that will take me to one place. His promises. Relaxing with God looks like declaring the promises of God over our lives back to Him. He already knows them. Yes, but He wants you to engage Him relationally over them. So what do we know about the promises of God? They are... All of them? Yeah. Yes, all all of God's promises are towards you, not against you. They're for you, not withholding from you. He's going to withhold this promise until you get your life straightened out, and then he might be kind enough to, he'll be merciful. No, stop that. It's It's all jumbled up with real weird pop culture theology. It's just distorted and awful. And, and I know this, trust, that kind of active faith, that's so pleasing to God. And I, I can so relax in that. I can so believe that God, when I, when I start doing that, everything changes for me. Let, listen to Hebrews 8, 6 over promises. Now, he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch he's also the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. So we looked at Hebrews 13.5 in our, in our group this morning. So that, and that's really, if you look at the context of it, and I told everybody this, it's about, it's about provision and everything. But God's got a promise. I won't leave you or forsake you. So why are we yelling at him to get him to pay attention to us? Isn't it interesting how our prayers get loud? Especially when we're adamant. Or if we do them with others. I don't know why, but my prayer volume goes up when I pray with other people. Is that just years of habit? Yep. Because when I'm relaxing with God, I don't yell at God. I don't need to. He's right here. You get in a prayer meeting and say, God, really? Like, my loudness is going to make him hear better. You're far away, so I'm going to yell. Anybody in there? Huh? You're here. You're here with me. Maybe the most powerful prayer is a relaxed whisper. I know, human emotions, we get emotional. I get emotional in prayer. Do you guys? You guys remember this language? I get fired up in prayer. Well, I didn't say it with that accent, but I'm just doing that for emphasis. And I do get fired up about prayer. I get with people, I get excited, and my emotions come out, and I get loud. That's what... It happens with most of our fights with people. We get loud. You know, Americans are always convinced he who yells the loudest wins. I think we do that with prayer, too. You know, it's probably not a relaxing thing. It's not resting. Second Peter 1.4 says, There's been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through them we might be partakers of the divine nature. 
focus that in your prayer, that you're partaking of His nature inside of you, oh my gosh, what a promise. It's joyful. I know there's scripture that says be sober, be vigilant in prayer and everything. But listen, there is a place in the family room part of prayer that is so joyful. It's happy. It's delightful. It's good to be in the Father's presence, to dance in the fields of grace, to enjoy it. I think Psalm 100. Let's say this together. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Well, you're talking about worship. I'm talking about prayer. And prayer and worship, if you read about them, they're inseparable. Our worship is a prayer to God, and our prayers to God should be worship. And when we use like things like a, a psalm, to enter into that, you know, I, I get real, I get almost childlike. And then I started singing old scripture songs to it too. We used to sing one to this. I th- think of Psalm 89, verse 15. We know that one well here. For Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name, what do they do? Rejoice all day. And in your righteousness, they're lifted up. They're exalted. When, when our prayer in that family room, that relational room, that, that, that place that we're familiar with, it, when it starts getting mixed with joy, uh, I know there's a place to cry. I understand that in prayer. I do understand that. I'm not diminishing that. Well, God's really answered me when I wept before him. I know that, but there's also a place of joyful familiarity with my relationship with God that he really delights in. I get childlike songs, you know. We have an old, old family video of, of Brookie singing the B-I-B-L-E. You know, yes, that's a book for me. And there's something, I just want to encourage you, in a place of, of a family room, become childlike again. And sing some of the songs you liked as kids. I did one the other day. I did Father Abraham. I was out in my garage. I was working on stuff. And I was grouchy about it. And I felt an invitation from the Lord to get out of my grouchiness by singing a couple of kids' songs. I wouldn't do it in front of anybody else. I don't think I'd even do it in front of Brenda. Yeah. 
Is it goofy? Yeah, it can be very goofy, especially when you're an adult. But there can be something in your childlikeness in the family room of God, our Father, who's in heaven and with me here, that it's okay to be a little kid again. It's okay to be a delightful daughter. It's okay to be a goofy little son, boy, and God recognizes that. You know, one of the biggest things I had happen was when my oldest was four years old, and we were in the church parking lot, and he looked up at me and he said, would you skip with me? And back then, back in that day, that's when you still did shirt and tie. I had a jacket, you know, I was very important about my very important stuff, and I had a jacket and a tie on, and and it just felt goofy or childish to do that, you know, and I didn't want everybody else looking at me. He was just looking up at me, holding my hand. I went, yep, and we skipped through the parking lot. God wants to skip through the parking lot of your life. Wants to hold your hand. Wants you to be childlike. Wants it to be familiar and informal and a place of rest. He wants to get at your very adult prayers and get them to be more childlike. And your stringent, resistant, very mature ways. There's a place for maturity, and there's a place to grow up, and there's a place to be childlike. I have a goofy side to me. That's not often attractive to others, especially those who are closest to me. I don't care. God likes me. I'm finally getting convinced in my heart. He likes the stuff I like. He's not against me. He knows I got issues. Good grief, he's been with me most of my life. What if prayer starts looking like that? What if just the first part of prayer? What if you just spent this week? I gave you questions from last week. I'll close with this. Keep asking yourself. Just look at them and ask yourself in prayer. Now go And go to the first room, the relational room. What does it mean for my life? How should I pray? Best of all, what if your prayer isn't graded? That was a really good prayer time. Really? <laughs> what made it better? Um, what if it's about grace and truth and understanding? What, it, what does that mean for you? What if it isn't a means of getting a relationship, but it's because you have relationship? Not convincing him of something, but really going, huh. Not to try and get a dialogue, but using your monologue to engage with God. Not for his sake, for yours. I'm convinced prayer is a place that we can kind of be selfish. Because it looks weird to be selfish in front of you. But it doesn't look weird to God for you to want in your life. Yeah, stand with me.
Well, God, uh, we've all learned so much about prayer and the years of teaching, books, so many things over this. We even went through what was called a prayer movement in our time. We call it that. Um, I just want you to know that it's really enjoyable to talk with you, to hang out with you, even when I don't feel like you always answer me. And I ask that you'd give us grace, each one of us, to get pulled there a little bit more. Tug on our hearts. Because we really do. We want to engage and hear you. And we're convinced that you want to engage us more than we want. (laughs) That it's really, this really is about you. So we're just going to leave it there right now. That it's about you. And I ask that you would help us navigate our lives with this question regarding prayer and where we rest. And we love you for it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Give you peace. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Give a mom a hug.